Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Okay, what I want to uh, share with you this morning, it has uh, changed since uh, I, I started this message, but I really felt I needed to continue with this about baptism and uh, have a little bit more to add to, to baptism, but uh, I want to speak on baptism. Many times we don't uh, really hear too much beyond what Pastor Josh shared with us this morning, which is all very good and it's very solid, but uh, I want us to catch one other thing this morning when we think about baptism. Water baptism originated from uh, Leviticus 16, where the priests were commanded to do a ceremonial cleansing before they put on their priestly garments, before they went into the Holy of Holies. Do you see that word picture? The priests were commanded to do a ceremonial cleansing before they went into the Holy of Holies or to the holy place. And John the Baptist takes this process that the priests did and takes it a little bit further. And he had to have had revelation from heaven for him to have come up with water baptism by immersion. That's what baptism means, means water immersion. And so he had to have had a revelation of how to do this because no one had ever done it before. And no one was doing it during John the Baptist's time. This, he was the first to ever immerse people in water that way and bring them up for the remission of sin. So he had to have a revelation that this is what he was supposed to do. And he really takes the Leviticus 16 process of baptism a step further in fulfilling Revelations 1.6 and 5.10, Revelations 5.10. We have been made kings and priests. And so you and I are to be as the priests of Leviticus 16, we are to go through this cleansing process and we come up in newness of life which sets us and cleanses us and, and makes us ready for the work of the ministry. Do you see the correlation? That's good. Now in Matthew 11, 11 uh, it says that John the Baptist was the greatest of all who were born among women. And I have to ask myself, really, he was the greatest? How, how, how is that? I mean, I think about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I think about Elijah and Elisha. And I, I think about Isaiah. And I think about all the prophetic uh, end-time stuff that's in the book of Daniel. And whenever I think of John the Baptist, I struggle to think of over two prophecies that he gave. Can you think of three prophecies that John the Baptist gave? And so I'm thinking, how is it that, John, uh, that Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets? There are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament. There are 578 prophecies in the New Testament. And struggling to think of over two prophecies that John the Baptist gave, it's, it's like, how can that be? Well... Let me name a couple of prophecies. One, whenever Jesus came approaching him, he said what? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the, of the world. That was prophetic. He was prophetically saying, 
Here comes Jesus. He is the Lamb of God, the one who will be slain for the sins of the world. Then secondly, J.B., does, uh, he doesn't even say anything in his second prophecy. He just simply demonstrates prophetically how the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world. Have you ever thought about that? That baptism is a prophetic word before you and I started doing it as, as a tradition. Before that, John the Baptist was prophetically proclaiming, this is what's going to happen. This one who is the Lamb of God, who's going to be slain for the sins of the world, this is what's going to happen. That one with the capital O, O-N-E, one, that one, here's what's going to prophetically take place. He is going to be, he's going to die, he's going to be buried, he's going to be resurrected in newness of life with the washing of the, of the word. And that is what John the Baptist was prophetically speaking before people understood, before Jesus even went through the death, burial, and resurrection. So to me, that's just powerful that John the Baptist was prophetically proclaiming what was going to take place. Those are two of his prophecies. I struggle to find another prophetic word beyond that that John the Baptist ever said. If you know of one, let me know. And, and there may be another one. I don't know. I, I just can't think of it. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us that Jesus became the first fruit of the resurrected. I had someone say, well, I don't understand how he could be the first fruit of the resurrected. Because Elisha raised a young boy from the dead. Jesus himself raised Lazarus from the dead. How is it then that Jesus would be the firstborn of the resurrected? Well, it's because we use the wrong word for the little boy. We use the wrong word for, for Lazarus. They were not resurrected. They were resuscitated. And here's what I mean by that. Resuscitation means to revive from unconsciousness or death. Resurrection means that death is reversed and forever abolished. Do you see the difference? Whenever Jesus was resurrected, He abolished death forever. That's not what happened to the young boy because he died again. That's not what happened to Lazarus because he died again. They were resuscitated. They were revived to life, but they died again. Jesus was resurrected, and he abolished death, and he will never die again. Hallelujah. And you and I will do the same. It is appointed unto every man once to die, and every woman. Everyone is appointed to die once. But then, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be resurrected, death will be reversed, and it will be abolished, and we will live forever. Hallelujah. Now let me talk to you about, just for a moment, about resurrection in the light of eternity. I've posed this question to you before. When does eternity start? It starts at the very moment of conception. Whenever you are 
the, the moment you are conceived, that is when eternity starts. We all have either eternal life or we have eternal death. That is eternity. If we receive the sacrifice that was made for us through Jesus Christ our Lord, then we will have eternal life. If we reject the sacrifice that was made for us, then we will have eternal death. Either way, you're going to live eternally. But you're either going to have eternal life or you're going to have eternal death. And eternal death is hell and damnation and suffering. Eternal life is what we can only imagine. Would make a good song. We have to die in order to be resurrected. And it's appointed unto every man wants to die, Hebrews 9.27. And that's why Paul says the scripture that Ralph wanted me to, to read, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If... Uh, we reject the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, then we're not resurrected into newness of life, but we are condemned to eternal death, damnation. Now, to take John the Baptist, the greatest of all the prophets, uh, one step further, he wasn't the greatest prophet because of the number of prophecies he gave, but rather because he had the greatest revelation in his prophecy. That's why he was the greatest, because of the revelation that he had. He was prophetically revealing who Jesus was. He not only was, but is. Amen? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great Redeemer. He is the one and only way to God the Father. He, he was and is and will ever be. He also said in so many words, you do not have to die for your God, but your God will die for you. There are religions, the Buddhists and the Muslims, who they feel that they have to die for their God. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who died for us? It's a totally different concept. And it's all, all by grace. Do we deserve it? No, we don't. But by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So Jesus Christ is the one that was prophetically pointed to in baptism. How many people do you know that all they need is one encounter with Jesus Christ? One encounter with Christ. I don't care how ugly they are, how evil they are, how nasty they are, how out of line they are. How, how crude and rude they are. All they need is one encounter with Jesus Christ. So regardless of who you're praying for, regardless of what condition they are in, all they need is one encounter with Christ. So that needs to be your prayer. Father God, cause them to have an encounter with you. Because whenever they have an encounter with Christ, everything changes. And the problem that I see in the earth today is, is even though you have received Christ as your Savior, maybe your encounters with Christ on a daily basis are not there. 
We need to be having encounters with Christ each and every day. We need to be searching after Him and seeking after Him and desiring His presence each and every day. And too many people are going through their day without Christ. They claim Christ. They have received Christ. I'm not saying they're not going to go to heaven. I can't answer that whether they are or they aren't. But I can determine whether they are having a today a live, active fellowship with the Father each and every day. And we need to be people who are determined that we are going to live for Him each and every day. He's going to be involved in every aspect of my life each and every day. The disciple, the Apostle Peter, he had a special revelation just like John the Baptist did of who Jesus was at uh, Caesarea Philippi. Who do they say that I am, Jesus asked. Some say Elijah, some say that he was John the Baptist. They were talking about reincarnation. Some say that he was another one of the prophets. But Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, man has not revealed that to you, but the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. And that was such an important revelation, just like the revelation that came to John. It was such an important revelation that came to John the Baptist and to, to uh, the disciple, Peter. It was such an important revelation that he said, I'm going to build my church on that revelation. That's how important that is. And so you and I, we must be sure that we are convinced of that, that we know that the most important thing in our lives is a revelation of who Jesus is. Do you really have a real revelation of Christ? Sometimes I think we, we kind of have a head knowledge, but we really don't get into having an, a, a personal, down deep, experiential knowing of who Jesus Christ is. If you did you wouldn't be a warrior. And Tracy so well said that today, how she's overcome that. So, Boy, when you have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, what is there to worry about? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I know worry tries to attack people, but you should be able to overcome that because if you understand, if you have a revelation of who Christ is, there is nothing to worry about. Though a thousand fall on my side, though ten thousand at my right hand, I shall not fear, for God is with me. Amen? If you're convinced of that, what is there to fear? Praise the Lord. Death was reversed. Hallelujah. And that's what we show in the death, burial, and resurrection. And so it's important. If any of you would like to, as Pastor Josh said, if any of you would like to be baptized, it, maybe this would renew your desire to be baptized. There's a good reason to be baptized. I say, Jesus was baptized, that was good enough for me. But it really goes much deeper than that. You are proclaiming to the world what has taken place in you. I say it's an outward expression of an inward experience. What took place in your life with Jesus dying and being resurrected again to newness of life you receiving that sacrifice that was made for you. You are exemplifying that. That's what Ralph and Diana did this morning. They exemplified what's taken place in their life. They 
They were buried with Christ. They were raised in newness of life with the washing of the water of the word. They were cleansed. Now, that all took place whenever they received Christ as their Savior, not just the baptism is simply symbolic of what took place. But it's an important thing to do. It it's really could be your very first witness to other people. If you get saved and then you're baptized immediately, then that is your very first witness of telling people who are watching what took place in your life. You was buried with Christ and you was raised in newness of life. Praise the Lord. Now let me take one step further here. I have a quote here, William Booth. Uh, I have given you this quote before. It says, it says this, The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. Do you notice the, the withouts? It has all three, the God, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit without in that quote. Let me read it again. The chief dangers that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. Does any of that seem familiar today? And this was given in 1898, 1899 at the end of that century. So my biggest concern, as I have already kind of said, is Christianity without Christ. And we can be guilty of that, of saying we're Christian, but go through our daily life as if Christ has nothing to do in our lives or has very little to do. He needs to be involved in every single aspect of your life. Where are you going to go on vacation? How are you going to spend your money? What job are you going to have? What do I do about my checkbook problem? What do I do about this issue? Christ should be involved in every aspect of your life. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And many times we go through our everyday lives and Christ is not even considered. He's not really leaned upon. He's not trusted in, in our everyday lives. And we as ministers can be just as guilty as anyone of leaving Christ out of things. Um, I've seen this when people witness. We have a problem sometimes in witnessing to people. We say things like, do you go to church? Well, it's important to go to church. But that doesn't really have much to do with Christ as far as witnessing to somebody about their salvation. Uh, or we go straight to the point, are you saved? We can say things like, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Uh, are you going to heaven when you die? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad questions, but do you see how you can ask those questions and Christ isn't even involved in those questions? You can talk to somebody about going to heaven, which is a wonderful, heaven's going to be wonderful, but you can talk to them for a long period of time and Christ never comes into the conversation. That is Christianity without Christ. And we need to have him, as I said, involved in every aspect of everything in our lives. Let me put it uh, this way. When you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, 
we do not simply get something. You ever hear somebody say, I got saved, or uh, I got eternal life. The one that really irks me is, I got religion. Heaven forbid you ever get religion. I want you to get rid of religion. Yes, because religion uh, fights against relationship. Do you know that? Religion fights against relationship with Christ. I only got something because I got Jesus Christ. Whenever you get Jesus, then you get all the other stuff. If we would get Jesus in the forefront, if we would have Christ in our Christianity, then whenever I get Jesus Christ, I get salvation. Whenever I have Jesus Christ, I have forgiveness of sin. I get to go to heaven. I get all these other things, but don't get the cart before the horse. You've got salvation. You've got all this other stuff, and leave Christ out of the picture. It's an important adjustment that we need to make. Need to make. I'm so glad that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and He's in the forefront of who I am. Praise the Lord. So, once again, Christianity without Christ. How many funerals have you been to where you heard about eternity? You've heard about heaven, but Christ is never mentioned. I've been to several like that. We hear people say, well, Uncle Wilbur, he's in a better place. I had someone come up to me just this week. Someone had passed away uh, here in our community that was well-known. And I knew the guy. I'm, I can't make the judgment as to whether he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. I can't make that judgment. I can, but I can make the judgment. He was a rascal. He was an honorary guy. I, I, you know, I don't know. But this person said to me, well, at least they're in a better place. And I said to him, he's only in a better place if he had received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's a good opportunity to witness to someone. Because Christianity without Christ needs to stop, and it needs to stop in the church. We need to make sure that Christ has everything to do with everything that we do. He needs to be a part of everything. Hallelujah. So, when we talk to people about going to heaven, that, that's a good thing. But don't leave Christ out of the picture. When you talk about salvation, don't leave Christ out of the picture. You know, heaven's going to be a wonderful place, isn't it? I'm looking forward to it. We, we should look forward to heaven. You know, there's over 300 references to heaven in Scripture. Let me read you just four of those. In Matthew 5, 12, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless you, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 6.9, you all know this one, Our Father which art in heaven. So we are going to go to heaven, but it's because what? Because that's where the Father is, right? Matthew 6 and verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we have scriptures concerning heaven, but do you know there's not one single scripture that says that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, or even an angel is going to take us there? 
There's not one single verse that says that they're going to take us to heaven. Here's again, we have to have Christianity with Christ. So as we look at some scripture, I want to prove this to you. Look at John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't say you go to heaven. It says come to the Father. As believers in Christ, we must not err by telling people about heaven without telling them about the Father. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's with him. It's not talking about heaven, even though we will go to heaven. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. doesn't mention about heaven. Philippians 1, 23, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, We are confident, yes, well-pleased, Rather, to be absent from the body and to go to heaven? No, it says to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we talk about heaven, how can we not talk about Christ? But we, we have a tendency to do those sorts of things. I can talk to someone about my church and never talk about Jesus. And I'm just saying, it's all about Jesus. He did it all. And if we, if we talk about these things, which is good to talk about them, but we can't leave Christ out, we are doing a, a misservice to our community. We are doing a, a, a misdeed to that individual person because we have not given them the full story of the gospel of who? Of Jesus Christ. Not the gospel of heaven. Not the gospel of salvation. Not the gospel of I'm saved. It's not any other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Now, of course, you understand whenever I say Christ and Christ alone, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But those have to be at the forefront of everything we think, do, and say. And I, once again, I just love the, the picture that we have from what took place this morning with Ralph and Diane. The baptism which was a prophetic demonstration of Jesus to come, being buried, being resurrected in newness of life, being washed by the Word. It's all a perfect demonstration of Jesus Christ. And if that, even that, a person can be baptized without ever recognizing that it's all about Christ. It's just important. Can you imagine going to Dollywood or to the Stampede and Dolly was actually there? I mean, that makes it for a better story, doesn't it? Can you imagine going to Graceland back, back in the 70s and Elvis was actually there? I heard he was there last week. But. <laughs> can, can you imagine going to a Billy Graham crusade and Billy not being there? You see, what, what makes those places extra special is their presence so what makes heaven heaven is the absolute saturation of the presence of almighty god yes. 
That's what makes heaven, heaven. That's why it's going to be so glorious. Because their presence is going to be absolutely saturated in heaven. And how can we as believers go through life and try to do Christianity without Christ? But I'm telling you, many people do. So that is my word to you this morning. Make sure that your walk with, with the Lord is vocal, that it's out there, that people know that you are serving the only true and living God. That you're not just a Christian or you're not just a, a You are a Christian because of Christ. You are a believer because of Jesus Christ. And he has to be included in on our vocabulary, in our thinking, in our living. Praise the Lord. When uh, I was a kid, Teresa and I, Teresa waved to everybody. Did everybody know that that's my sister? Some, some of you don't know that. That's my, that's my sister. She knows. Yeah. yeah. Whenever uh, we were kids, we would lay out in the yard uh, with, with a sleeping bag and we'd look up into the stars and we would, we would talk about God. I, you know, like it, we weren't believers. We, we, our, our folks weren't believers at that time. But we would have questions like, is there really a God? Well, there has to be a God for all of this to be here. And, you know, those kind of conversations. And uh, with all of that, though, I still had a lot of questions. And I thought, how in the world can, can isn't that good? How in the world did, did God create all of this? And I come into a, a revelation just a couple of weeks ago. This is so simple. This revelation is so simple. I don't know why I never thought about this before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I'm thinking, how in the world does, does this universe contain God? Because He's so vast. Well, I come to the realization that the universe doesn't contain God. God contains the universe. God is so immense. He is so endless that He contains the universe. The universe doesn't contain Him. Simple little revelation, but I never had thought about it until a couple of weeks ago. But it meant a lot to me whenever it came to me. The universe is contained by God the Father. He's so immense. That's the God we serve. But yet we can talk about salvation, we can talk about going to heaven and not even mention Him. So, my urgency this morning is twofold. If you haven't been baptized or you want to get baptized again, let's do it. Secondly, include God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit in everything you think, do, and say. He needs to be at the forefront of your marriage. He needs to be at the forefront of any relationship you have. He needs to be at the forefront of your job. He needs to be at the forefront of your finances. Everything we do in life needs to have Christ as number one. And when we do that, we will become the spotless church that he's coming back for because he has been made premier. He has been made preeminent. He has been made number one. And that's the way all of us should be thinking and living. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord.
thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are the only true and living God. You are the only one. Thank you, Lord, for what you did through Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that we get to live eternity forever alive because of what he did. Because of your great sacrifice. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.